0: So if you have your Bibles this morning, open them with me to Exodus chapter 20 again. And we've been going through the 10 commandments and really there are 10 ideas that God has about relationships in our life. The first four of the 10 commandments are about our relationship with God specifically. And commandments five through 10 are about our relationship with one another. It's all about relationships. So the foundation of everything we've been speaking on really comes from the, the concept that we started the series on is that we're called to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt, where thieves don't break in and steal. We're not supposed to send treasure to heaven so God can finish the streets of gold. He's got enough resources, but we're supposed to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, which means that we have a job to do, It, which means that the things that we do and how we live in this world are rewards that God gives to us. The Bible says the Father, each one of us personally in heaven when we get there. It's not like he's going to call us all in a big room in a big auditorium when we get, oh, by the way, good job. This is your reward. The Bible says personally Our heavenly father will give us our reward. From what reward? The reward that we've invested while in this life. So yes, we're saved by grace. We understand that. We're not saved any other way. You can't be good looking enough like me or you can't work hard enough or pay enough money. It's not possible. That was a joke by the way, if you didn't get it, it's old. Unless you really think I'm good looking, (laughs) then we have a problem. Come in for counseling, right? but that that reward is that investment. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse seven, we come to the third commandment. We've spoken about the first one, uh, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. The principle of that one was priority. The second commandment um, was that we should have no graven image. The principle of that is reality, and you can look at that online. Over 1,200 people have been online to download that message. It's amazing what online world does. But in verse seven, we encounter the three the third commandment that God gives, again, about relationship. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So why would God be so insistent on not using his name in vain? Very interesting, huh? Because his name is who he is. His name is his character. When you say, if you've heard it said, someone has such and such, they've got a bad name. Well, you know what that means? It means that that's their reputation. It means that when you say they've got a bad name, it's what their character is about. And so through, all throughout scripture, God's name is the same. It's synonymous with who he is. The Lord's prayer even begins with our father who is in heaven, hallowed, be your name, meaning separate. That word means your name is separate from all others. And your name is, there is no other name that's commonly equal at all to God's name. There are several names for God in the Old Testament, but over 6,800 times it literally means um, Yahweh. And the word Yahweh means he that caused existence the name Yahweh, he that caused existence. And I find that remarkable because that is really a contest in our culture today. The very God, the very idea that God spoke everything into existence and created everything that was, is is a thing that is contested because of the ideas of our progressive culture, that the evolution idea is really big in our culture, right? So there's a contrariness to God as creator Yahweh, mentioned over 6,800 times in the Old Testament that he is the God of all existence. He is, when Moses asked him what his name was, he simply said, I am that I am. In other words, I am is enough. I was, I will be, and I am now. I am forevermore. When Israel went into um, bondage, when they went into slavery, and when they got captured uh, they, they, in 582 uh, B.C., uh, they didn't. The reason they went into bondage was because they profaned God's name. In fact, God tells them that that's the reason they were in bondage, and they quit saying the name of God. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, they quit saying Yahweh. They quit saying the word uh, because they were afraid they were going to profane His name again. But here's the kicker: it wasn't even about them saying the name. It was because they were live. It was they professed to be. God's people, and yet they lived contrary to the way God wanted them to live. They had the name of God on them, but they were worshiping all these idols. And the the people of the land couldn't tell the difference between the God followers and those who were just common among them. And and think about their culture compared to ours today. The greatest way that we could profane the name of God is to claim to be following Christ, but not being Christ-like. And we get our word profanity from the word profane, right? And and that really says a lot because it, it means to treat God's name as common. That to profane his name needs to say peanut butter and jelly, It's there's no difference. It's just a name, it's just a thing. It's just like any other word as if it has less importance God's name is not common because it represents him. And and I'm going to give us a a lot of scripture this morning to really uh, compel us toward these ideas because they're very important for setting the stage of all that we're going to talk about this morning. Listen to what God says about how they used his name. After all of this stuff happens and they're in bondage and, and they've profaned his name in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 20. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name in that people said of them, these are the people of the Lord. Yet they had go out in his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the name, for the sake of my holy name, he says, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, right? Which has been profaned among the nations of which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord. And when, and when through you, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. God says four times here, my name is what's important. My name represents who I am. So in in Exodus chapter 20, this commandment really has a lot to do with relationship, right? Remember, this is a loving father, as as one would tell his child not to play an I-5 on the middle of the freeway, or a a mother telling her her child not to touch the stove. This is a loving God that's giving this commission. In other words, I have something better for you. I have a better way of living, if you'll just take my name seriously. The word take here in, in Exodus chapter 20 I'm trying to hurry because Aaron took my first half hour, so I'm kidding, it was awesome, it was good stuff. The word take means to lift up or to carry. So he is saying, you're lifting up my name in vain. Don't carry or use my name in a, a vain or prideful way. To call ourselves believers and to be afraid, friends, in the world, what the world is going to think of us or accept of us or make fun of us because we choose to revere the name of God or choose to live a holy life is to use his name in vain. Vanity comes in. The commandment is a principle this week of humility. We need to understand that his name means to say who God is. The name of the Lord is interchangeable for the Lord. In fact Proverbs 18:10 says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It doesn't mean like well oh, there's a strong tower it must be the Lord. No, his name is a strong tower. It doesn't say uh, the tower is. It says that's what his name is. Psalm 2720 says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. In the prayer of Jesus in the garden, Jesus um, uses three phrases. I don't know if, if many have caught before about his name, but in John chapter 17, there's some, a few verses here I want to point out. In John 17, verse six, it says, I have manifested your name to the people, Jesus speaking, whom you gave me in this world. Your name, notice he says your name. It doesn't mean I manifested you, it says your name. Why can he say that? Because it means the same as manifesting God. When we use God's name, we're talking about him. We're not talking about something abstract. Uh, Further down in John 17, verse 11. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, that they may be one. even as we are one, verse 12. It says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, your name. He says, your name. I kept, Father, your priesthood. I kept your personhood. I kept your character. I I give them in your name, he says, as he's praying for us. I love Romans 10, 13, the New Testament. What does it say? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why? Because it's the name, it's the same as it is Jesus. God says, don't take my name in a vain way. I wanna give us three Ps to talk about three ways we take the Lord's name in vain. That was the setup. Now you're set up, you're ready, right? Number one, prayer. Remember as Israel's entering a land where they have many idols filled with heathens, idolatry and witchcraft, the way they called on their idols was to call on the name of the idol. Remember when we talked about idols last week, what they did, they had one big God like the Israelites did, but the temptation for the Israelites came in when they said that the the, the, um, Egyptians and the Canaanites both, they had a family God and they had a personal God, over 2000 of them. Egypt had more gods than any other culture that's ever existed. So they said, it's okay that you have your Jehovah God, but you need to have your family God and your personal God. So they would have images made, and we talked about this last week, and they would have it in their bedroom for the God of fertility, and they would put it in the field for the God of the harvest, and, and they would pray, say the name of the God, and the spirit from wherever world would come and inhabit the idol, and therefore they would receive their blessing. This was in their theology. This was their concept of God. So it's very important that it says when they call in the name of the Lord or the name of the Lord your God, they're invoking God's name. So in context here, they're, they're going into this land and God is saying, my name is not magical. It's not incantation. It's not Aladdin that pops out of a genie lamp. You don't use my name like they use the name of their gods. My name is Yahweh. My name is different. My, my name stands alone. It doesn't mean an incantation. Even in the New Testament, they used his name incorrectly. In Acts chapter 19, remember, um, I, I have the scripture up here, but I'm gonna just account the history. The seven sons of Siva, remember they're there and they're casting. Well, I wanna read the first verse. In fact, it says in verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists so they've got this little, I don't know, television ministry going on already. And they're itinerating, right? And they're selling their services, right? They're, they're like already into this, but they see the success, unlike their pathetic ways of trying to deliver people, of the power of Jesus' name, right? And they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Well, the demons scream, you know, Jesus I know, Paul, who are you? And he beats them all up and they run out of the house naked. I mean, it's just an awesome story. It's a funny story. It's a powerful story. It's a sad story. It's got all of those elements to it, lots of flavor. But the point of it is he uses his name in the wrong way in prayer. They use the name in the wrong way. When we use prayer in a prideful way like they did, we're wrong friends. They used his name for selfish ambition. James 4 3, James addresses this. He says, You ask and don't receive, but you ask amiss that you may spit it on your pleasures. Now, the word amiss here is really powerful because it literally means sick and miserable. In other words, if you pray amiss and you get what I just, I just give you whatever you want, you're going to be sick and miserable because I got something better for you. I got something better for you than even what you think you want. How many times do we do that? We come to God and we think, God, if I only had this and this and this, if only A, B, and C would fall into place, then I'll be happy. Come on now, I'm guilty. Anyone else here? You're all liars. Right? Sometimes we pray that way and we say, God, you know, if it just, if it just, if it just, if you would just, and he says, don't pray that way. That's why we pray in God's will. You know, Jesus, in your will, in your way, have your way. And we don't use his name when we pray this way. We we say, in Jesus' name, Lord, according to your will, in Jesus' name. That's why the word of God is so important, because we have a lot of his will in there, don't we? John 16, 24, Jesus says, here's another way you haven't prayed correctly. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Powerful. Ask and you'll receive it your joy may be full until now he says you've asked nothing not by my will but by god's will lord your will be done i've been prompted at times to pray uh, and i've written me to pray it maybe i'll 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 think well i gotta pray this in jesus name but i don't because i think i'm giving god an out right i mean i know that's silly but there's power in that name to me i don't want to just throw it around like it's it's worthless or that just because I want something or I think something should work out that way doesn't mean that I just totally embraces the principle of the commandment of humility, does it? When we pray, we're, we're supposed to be submissive first to God's will, God, according to your word, according to your will. Now I believe in praying those promises, amen. Scripture says his will is perfect. His will is true. His will is a guiding voice. His will is good. His will is certain. His, wor- his will is trustworthy. That's why as we as believers can pray according to God's will and we can pray in Jesus name. We give God our lives in prayer and we trust him with the results. That's praying according to God's will. That's prayer with humility. Another P that we use sometimes, a word that starts with P that we can use out of the wrong way, um, a misuse of God's name is in prophecy. We learn in Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-five, he says, I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name. Quote, I have dreamed. I have dreamed. Verse 26, how long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy deceit in their own heart? Ezekiel twenty two twenty eight confronts them further. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, thus saith the Lord when the Lord has not spoken. We have this today. We have a lot of people that share their ideas and opinions, or thus saith the Lord, type of people. When this happens, they're using God's name in vain. The second part of the commandment of, of verse 7 of Exodus 20 is very powerful, powerful because it says God will not hold him guiltless. God will not hold him guiltless who uses his name in vain. That's a heavy word, isn't it? An old testament command, but the spirit of the principle in the new under grace. We understand this, that God's name is significant. That even though we're not bound to the law, we understand the commandment is rich in God's word. The Bible says will be in eternity. If we can't love it now, what makes us think we're going to love it then? Jeremiah 14 verse 13. And then I said, Oh Lord, behold, the prophets say to them, you shall not see the sword. You should not have famine but I will give you assured peace in this place. Send in your $10 donation and God will bless you to my ministry. We are, play, one time I was watching this thing on TV and they were, the, these guys were selling holy water and it was probably from the tap, you know, maybe it was filtered, I don't know. But nonetheless, they put it in a bottle and they're saying, for your donation, get some of this holy water and you'll be there. Send in your $1,000 today. Put right out your check right now. It was already, this is nothing new. Verse 15, therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, although I did not send them and say, sword and famine shall not come on the land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. Powerful, right? In our society, we have so undervalued the name of God. We need to remember that how holy that God's name is and and lift it up and hold it high. Over the years, I've had several of, experiences in church and ministry. I grew up in this thing, right? And in and, and ministry, people have had a prophecy or they've had a word or, or you know, they have a thing and, and something in my spirit, Just I just don't think that's right. And especially when they come in it, it really doesn't line up with God's word or somebody says something that's and in our church in our gatherings and during worship time, we've had times where there's been words, utterances or tongues and interpretation. We still believe that the gifts of the spirit should work in operation in the church. Come on, amen. <laughs> Don't be lazy with me now. The point of it is that God was trying to get them to understand. He's trying to get us to understand that when we say, thus saith the Lord, we're saying that God said this. That's a powerful presumption. There's a famous TV preacher and his wife were on, I won't mention the name. <laughs> they are flying in their private jet And um, he was being interviewed, she was, and she said, we saw that storm a coming and we saw it and we just proclaimed it. And we prophesied to that storm, get out of here in Jesus' name. That's what she said. And I thought, my goodness, are we now to the place where we're bossing everything around as if it's our will, our whim, God's at our whim. God is not at our whim. We need to be careful how we use God's name around to qualify something that's not qualified by his word. The command says that the Lord will not let him go unpunished. Wow. The commandment's a principle of humility. God's word is first. My opinions are not. I surrender my selfish words and submit to God's word. Thirdly, the last word that starts with P is proclamation. And this is where I'm really going to start getting in trouble. In other words, speaking the name of the Lord in the wrong way. Leviticus 19 and verse 12 qualifies this further. It says, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Not swear, it says, nor profane, not to, to pledge. In other words, not to say, I swear to God and hope to die. He says, don't do that. You're swearing by a name that you really don't understand if you're able to say that. In verse uh, Leviticus, further down a couple chapters in 21 verse 6, he says even further, they shall be holy to their God, those set apart to do the service of the Lord, in the priestly line, and not profane the name of their God, for they they offer the Lord's food offerings, the bread of God, therefore they shall be holy. Not profane the name. Now our society has so undermined and cheapened the name of God. First of all, we talked about the significance of not wearing his name and not living for him. Praise God we're saved by grace and And I I hope that as we get into heaven, as the fire is coming and each man's work is tested, the Bible says, and will yours be the wood and stubble and hay, or will it be the gold and precious silver that will withstand? What kind of work? And remember last week we saw it's all laid up in our, what our beliefs are, what our core understanding is at those moments, our sincerity. But here this, this, throwing about this name, in American culture has so cheapened. We say phrases commonly like, oh my God. And we put OMG on our social media all over the place. Like there's no reverence or holiness in our mouth or at our fingertips. Friends, we need to think about this. Friends, we need to think about this. I'm gonna keep getting until I get one. To say ouch or something. And it does me too. We need to think about this. Another one of the most prevalent uses for God's name is to say, God damn it. Or to say GD on our social media. Think about what we're saying by that statement. I mean, the idea of damning something in the Bible or damnation means literally to to cause an eternal suffering of separation from the saving power of God, not from God's presence, but the saving power to be in that wicked, awful black torment for the sins committed while in this place without receiving Christ. And to use the name of God to even further say, God it. I mean, that's like saying, God, I want you to do it. It's enough that I'm already upset. It's enough that I'm gonna say it in my own behalf, but Lord, I want you to do it. God, I want you to do it. And we don't know what we're saying anymore because it's so commonplace in our lingo. I genuinely believe that. I I really do. I hear people say, oh God, all the time in just the most flippant way. It's like a cultural thing and it's very commonplace. And Christians, we don't use that word though. We've made up our own words. We use the slang because it's safer, right? And, and, and it's safer because we're a Christian, we need to sound a little bit like the world. And so we say, oh gosh. Now I was raised to know that it means the same thing as oh God. I really was. And in fact, when you look it up, if you go online, the Webster's, you'll find this definition as well. It says, gosh means to express surprise or give emphasis, quote, used as a euphemism for God. When you say that, you're just emphasizing the same thing. You say, well, I don't really mean that from my heart. It doesn't matter. It's identifying the name of God with that situation in a slang way. See, I told you it wouldn't get very nice in the room. It's already cold up here. We need to turn that new HVAC system up a little bit. I'm feeling a, I'm feeling a little drafty up here. We can't even get started with Jesus. I do believe, friend, for the believer to hear the name of Jesus in a vain way should be worse than hearing the F-bomb dropped or any other word. We should cringe, it should make our spirit revolt. We should be sickened because that name to us means something And the curiousness of it and culture is Jesus's name, right? I mean, that's so crazy. If I'm frustrated, why don't I say, oh, Buddha? Or Obama or Trump or Clinton or Yang or Yang or whatever, right? But it's Jesus' name. And the reason is because God is hated. Satan, the demonic, hates what's happening. When we use it in a loving way, in a forgiveness way, in a prayerful way, and as as a, a person who loves God and expressing worship to him, the demonic hates that because it's the power that stops him from accusing us. God's name is hated, and I'll tell you why, because the Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. The enemy wants your bended knee to himself. And the, the Bible says in Jesus name, demons flee, but they want that power. The Bible says in Jesus name, they, the bound are set free. Satan wants you bound. Because we pray in Jesus name, you are praying to the one and the only risen savior, the most high God, the creator and redeemer of all mankind. When we use the name of Jesus, his name is hated by Satan and spiritual wickedness in high places. His name is despised by every other religious system in the entire world. He, His name is the one who is, who was forever in the past and forever will be in the future. And when his name is used as a curse word, that action, those things supposedly are all vain. They're all in vanity. Every time we say, oh my gosh, or oh my, oh God, or, or we use God damn it. Or we we say these profane things. What are we saying? We're using God's name which is the most holy of all things. In fact, the one writer says, your name is holy, holy, holy as the angels sing. Not just one time of a complete adoration and admiration, but three announcements. Holy, holy, holy are you Lord God Almighty. Because his name is worthy to be praised. We can use his name in the most powerful way as well. Psalm 44, 8. And God, we have boasted continually. We give our thanks to your name forever to give thanks to his name in worship. His name in Psalm 100 and verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Psalm 113, three, from the rising of the sun to, the, to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The best way to proclaim the Lord, to proclaim his name is to praise his name. The Lord will not hold him guiltless. It's heavy, right? I mean, that's like, that's where the rubber meets the road. I've prayed the wrong way. I admit it, I've considered his name uncommon and I've considered his name common. I'm so grateful that Christ took my punishment and that he is a gracious God the commandments were given because of grace, right? It's not the Lord's trying to restrict our fun or our expression or creativity. He's trying to tell us the best way to live, the freest way to live. I'm so grateful that God did that. God gives these as a loving father to his children. How do I know that? Because consider this, God didn't really give Israel the commandments while they were in Egypt. He didn't give them to them then, did he? Come on now, this will preach. God didn't say, get right in Egypt, then I'll deliver you. He didn't. He buried Pharaoh's armies in the sea. And then what does he do? He takes them to a place. He takes them away. And then he says, I'm going to give you some principles to live by that will make your life amazing, that will bless you, give you peace. And more than anything, you'll have a great relationship with me. These ideas, these principles are not saying straighten up and live, right? Jesus took our punishment and and, and keeping those principles uh, will deepen our relationship with him. See, that's the same with us. God delivered us first, just like we are without getting all cleaned up first. He doesn't ask anyone in this room, if we're far from God in this place or watching online, he doesn't ask any of us to get right first. He just says, come to me like you are. He says, come to me, I know you're in Egypt, but come to me just like you are. And when you get out of that place, I'm gonna show you how to live. I'm gonna give you something to live by. I mean, that's good stuff. That's really good preaching too. I mean, come on. The commandment is a principle of humility because we use God's name in praise. We use it in worship and we humbly use his name in prayer. When we say, God, your will be done in Jesus' name, we humbly accept our creator to do it all. Humility is understanding we are only someone in Christ. Philippians 4, 30, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Humility is building my life around God and others rather than myself. 1 Peter 5:5. clothe yourself with humility. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he will lift you up in due time. And thirdly, humility realizes that alone we're nothing, we're totally dependent on God. You know, I love This scripture, Paul says in Romans 7, 18, I know that nothing good lives in me. Nothing good lives in me. That's quite a statement, right? That's an acknowledgement that, hey, I don't cut the mustard. I like um, Hudson Taylor. I think it's a quote in your outline. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. Here's the point. Matthew 12, the Bible says, a good man brings the good things stored up in him. An evil man brings out the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken.
1: It doesn't say
0: just the believer. It doesn't say just the non-believer. Everyone. In chapter 15, Jesus says it's not what, in Matthew 15, it's not what goes into a man that makes him bad. He's talking about eating food, but principally he turns it around. And he says, by your words and what you say. Years ago, I used to make this statement a lot. If you wanna know what your heart's like, listen to what your mouth says all week. That's exactly right, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Now, I understand that nothing good lives in me and that there are a lot of things that come along in life. When I get frustrated, I can say, help me, Lord. That's easy to say, right? I can just say that word, that's a good word. Help me, Lord. I mean, everybody can say that, right? Or I could say, as Christians would say, gosh darn it, yeah, I have a choice, right? And I could just say whatever I want to say there, put it right there. When I get angry, I could say, oh, God bless you," even though I don't want to. Okay. And see, that's a great thing about words. I have a choice in how I'm going to use them. Or I could drop an F bomb. Or fudge sickle, as Christians would say. I have a choice. I'm just going to put that right in there. I can get it to go in there. I'm amazed about something. I can say, Wow! Did you see what great thing God did? That's absolutely incredible. I could use my words. Or, when I see something, like is often said in our culture, I could say, Jesus, in a profane way. And we hear it all the time, don't we? I, mean, I, I, I was there's a show of me and the boys are, I got hooked on it. These guys are riding their motorcycles around the world. And, and it's just like, wow, that's so cool. And every other episode, they're, they're saying the word Jesus, like it's just rolling off of their mouth. Surprise, when I get surprised, I can say, whoa praise God and give glory to God with my words I have a choice how I'm going to do that that goes in there somehow or when I'm surprised I can say OMG Christians say oh my gosh because that's the easy way even though gosh means God I get disgusted. Ooh, gross! God made all things for my good, especially when I am disgusted. Have you ever been around a campfire in uh, deep into uh, Bolivia or Cuba? Roy, we have to go out to the Italian restaurant every night because the food and everywhere else is gross. Or if I'm disgusted, I could say Jesus Christ. I can hear it so profane. Of course, for Christians, it's Jiminy Christmas because my mom told me it means the same. So here we go again. The powerful thing about our words though, is that just like these crazy balloons, um, just like these crazy balloons, what something happens, the the craziness in life begins to happen. Pressure comes. And our words are all up in there, right? They're just in there. All these words. These good words over here. I knew you thought I was full of hot air. This just proves it. See there. So we have these words and God allows this pressure. The Bible says that he does. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. And and we have a choice really, because what happens is not only do we have the pressure, but God sends someone along our way that tests it. And our words fall out. But, If we've been putting in different kind of stuff, come on now, this is pretty good, right? And we're tested, something else comes out. The pressure will build, right? I mean, picture yourself, you're human. That guy's gonna cut you off in traffic. You're already late for something. Jesse and I were building a fence (laughs) The dance I had and, and I kept running back to the store. I, I made this list. I, I, if I have to go to the store one more time, I'm going to scream. I was so frustrated. Frustrations will come, won't they? Come on, this is something to pray about. Come on, worship team, come back. We have two options. The stuff that we let build up. Are we going to profane God's name? Are we going to begin to stand up in culture? You know, something we looked at and we're continuing on on Wednesday night. Is the idea of um, integrity with with um, real character? How that when people are around us that are in the world, have you often noticed if you're working somewhere, they begin to apologize for the curse words they're using? Oh, I'm sorry I let that come out. I'm sorry. And, and I find it everywhere that I go and say, you know, I know, I'm just a guy, treat me like it, but it's still, and they'll notice after a while, you know. It, I don't hear Larry saying that or why because we chose to respect the name of God. It's a witness, it's a power.